Hey, everybody. I want to welcome you to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard. And man, does it get hard sometimes. That is why we do what we do on these podcast episodes. My name is Mitch Schultz. I'm your host, and I'm also the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry. Hey, I want to talk on this episode about how a church transitions well between pastors. I I remember sitting down with a friend uh, some years ago processing a tough church that I was pastoring, and he made a comment I could never shrug. Uh, He said this, he is something to this effect. He said, Mitch, you need to start your transition now. And it might need to take several years, but you need to start thinking about transitioning. I think he was sensing that I was in a situation that inevitably uh, would become tougher. And unfortunately, certain events kept me from having control in that process. Uh, But later, as I reflected on this, this, um, the significance of that advice uh, caused me to really think through about the importance of being intentional in the transitioning between pastors. Uh, I think it can make all the difference in the world in the health of the pastor, but also the health of the church. I'm thrilled today to discuss with a pastor, a friend of mine, the importance of passing the baton between pastors in a way that is healthy and also timely. Now, let me just throw this out here. I actually did this interview in February of 2020, just a week before uh, COVID, significantly shut churches down. So um, I just didn't feel like it was relevant at that time or many would be distracted with so much other things going on. So I held on to it and recently I thought, I'm gonna go back and listen to this. And I I feel like it's about as relevant now as it would be uh, any other time before. And I'm gonna be talking to Pastor Brian Dainsburg, uh, who knows firsthand the wonderful benefits of a church transitioning from one pastor to the other. This happens to be the church that I served as an associate pastor in for a number of years back in the early 2000s. And so I'm uh, intimately familiar with the healthy context of this church. And this past week, I was actually up in Wisconsin to do a a wedding. And Pastor Brian and I happened to chat a little bit after the church service. And uh, it it caused me to to reignite this topic and to go back and listen to the podcast. And, And again, I think you'll find it very relevant. Uh, Pastor Brian began as a lead pastor of Alliance Bible Church in Mequon, Wisconsin, August 1st, 2016. He grew up in Green Bay area, earning his BA in applied music from uh, UW Green Bay in 2002. He later received his Master of Divinity from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in 2007, a school that I happen to go to as well. And in 2008, he was ordained by the Christian and Missionary Alliance in Appleton, Wisconsin, where he had served for some time. Brian and his wife, Jadoda, have two children, Braylon and Taylor. And in addition to spending time with family, Brian loves golf, and he loves to look for new Thai and Chinese restaurants, and he loves also to read books. So let's go ahead and jump into this interview now. I think you'll find it very exciting and encouraging, particularly if you're a pastor uh, who might be looking at transition, and uh, or perhaps this is something to just sh- share with your elders to put as a resource into their uh, list of things to be thinking about. So here we go. 
Okay, um, this is actually a second try. I tortured your name the first one, Brian. Uh, so I've got it on my screen here, Brian Danesburg, and first t take, I said Danesbury. I don't know why I'm telling everybody that, but how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great, Mitch. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, we have, we have floods here in Tacoa, uh, four or five inches of rain. Oh. And uh, driving around today, there were roads that were closed. And uh, wow. so we are, we are cushioned here in a nice dry home with lots of rain outside. I imagine it's probably snowing up there, if I remember what yeah. it's like there. Well, we've had some mild weather here. So actually, I'm looking out my office window. There's actually more grass than snow. Oh, that's, un that's unusual. Yeah. Last Sunday, it hit 51 degrees uh, here. So that's exceedingly that's rare. For this time of the month. Well, at the risk of this turning into a conversation about meteorology, let me, <laughs> let me stop us there. Um, hey, let's, ju let's jump uh, right in here at the topic. We, what, what I had in mind here with this conversation is to uh, discuss the the because a lot, a lot of times uh, pastors will candidate at a church and they have one shot the church has one shot at looking at a pastor uh, it's a romantic weekend experience I call it and so many times later as reality sets in uh, there's a clash in philosophy a clash in personalities and uh, the reason I want to interview you is because you went into a situation that was extremely intentional uh, it's actually the church where I served as an associate pastor for, uh, for five, six years in, in north of Milwaukee, which is why we were talking about the weather. Uh, so let's just jump in. You, you took that leadership from a pastor who had been there for quite some time. Uh, so talk about uh, how this happened and tell us a little bit about your, your journey up to that point. Right. Well, um, yeah, Alliance Bible Church uh, had been pastored for 38 years by the founding pastor. The church was started in 1978, and uh, he pastored until 2016 uh, when I came. And uh, uh, the, the previous senior pastor had actually put this on my radar, um, boy, I don't know, two, three years earlier, mm -hmm. uh, with no, no detail, just other than, I'm nearing retirement. Um, it it be, wouldn't it be great? Uh, I think mm -hmm. you know, is how he phrased it. Uh, if the Lord led you here, and the church led us to you, and uh, and so I had had some some familiarity with the church. Um, I had been there to uh, lead worship on one occasion. I had been there to as a guest preacher. Um, a couple of times the, the previous senior pastor and my dad were roommates in college. And so there was some, <clears throat> some familiarity with that route. Mm -hmm. So uh, when, uh, when the time came for the church here to get serious about looking for who would replace um, uh, the previous senior pastor, it was our district superintendent who called uh, me and had an initial conversation with me about it. And of course, I was intrigued uh, by it. I had a little bit of knowledge about the church, and I thought it was a great church. And, and my experiences um, as a guest here had been fantastic. And and I knew uh, you know, a couple of the folks who were part of the church because of that. And, and, uh, and so it, uh, it just worked out. Now, I mean, the years leading up to it, I had had a 
a wide array of ministry experience. I'd been in uh, uh, at a, a, a church in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin for 12 years and served in three different roles during that time, which I would say the cumulative effect of that is I was given a well-rounded education in church ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and, uh, in a larger so, context as well, because you was, were... Yeah, a larger yeah. context. And, and so th- there's actually, quite, even though the the difference in size is quite dramatic in numbers in culture. It's not because I was still moving from a multi-staff church to Mm -hmm. a multi-staff church. And there are remarkable similarities um, when you do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So what was your, when you, when he approached you that first time, uh, it sounds like it was an intriguing idea. How, how did you respond? And, and uh, what role did your and and maybe when it came up again and became more of a serious uh, proposal, uh, what role did your wife have, your children in that decision? Yeah, well, initially it was so far out that I kind of just stored it in the back so of my several head. years, several years ahead yeah. still. Okay. Yeah. Um, when it resurfaced in a serious manner, I I went home and talked to my wife immediately mm-hmm. about it, and. Uh, so you're approached the second time and said, hey, you remember that conversation? We'd like yeah. to continue yeah. that, see where it could go. Right. So what, what, right. Was, being, what was being asked? Let's, let's uh, focus on that for a little bit because this is the piece that's unique. It wasn't uh, just like, hey, would you come candidate pastor? There was a very strategic, intentional uh, yeah, the, the, phase, it was, phases to this. It was, yeah, I would say... There was still, a, uh, you know, I still needed to submit a resume. Mm-hmm. Uh, there still needed to be an interview. Uh, and there still needed to be um, prayerful decision making in it. But it, 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 it felt more like because of the, some familiarity the church had with me, and I think particularly the previous senior pastor had with me, because mm-hmm. he, knew, he actually knew me quite well. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't a typical we don't know this guy. Let's see what his resume looks like. It's bringing him for an interview. Mm-hmm. There, it was a little past that. It was advanced um, past that. And uh, one of the questions obviously I had was, okay, founding pastor, <laughs> what does this transition look like when you do identify your next senior pastor? Mm-hmm. Uh, churches are all over the map on yeah, trying oh, to yeah. figure that out. Oh, yeah. And, um, well, even when I was there, they were, he was talking about the future. And, uh, so I, I know this was a decade long conversation that he had with, with his leadership and, um, and, you know, obviously as the time came closer, those, those conversations looked a a lot different. And I would say, I would say this transition has gone exceedingly well, even outside observers, um, you know, for example, we worked with a church architectural firm and a church audiovisual lighting firm to do some work in our worship center. And when they come in, they do a really thorough thing. They're not just interested in, in facilities and mechanics and stuff. They're interested in the history of the church and the story of the church. And when I told them how things were going, they said, you know, we, we have worked with churches who've gone through similar things. And if what you're telling us is true, none of them have gone as well as it's gone here. Mm-hmm. And I would say, by and large, the reason for that, aside from simply God's grace, is the forethought and the planning, the intentionality that the previous senior pastor and the elders did 
to prepare the church for it. Yeah. And again, what we're talking about here is someone coming and taking a couple years to transition into the senior pastor role, right? Uh, no, it, for Less me, it wasn't, it wasn't two years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been here three and a half. Uh, the previous senior pastor and I overlapped for three months. Okay. And okay. that was it. Three months. A lot, you know, a lot of churches will do it for multiple years, but, mm-hmm. but the previous senior pastor did not want to do that. And, uh, it, it but was, he did, but he didn't, he didn't leave after those three months. He took on another role. No, he left. He left. Okay. Yeah, he moved. He moved to the Twin Cities, and and really, it and maybe it's because I'm the way I am, or my you know the relationship I have with the ch- the, the church leading up to it was the way it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't need more than three months. Yeah. Um. The, for for those three months, the the congregation saw us together constantly. Mm-hmm. Um. We were always meeting with each other. We were on the stage together. Um, and three months is a long time to get accustomed to that when you compare it to the, again, the one weekend that, uh, that typically happens. Yeah. Um, what, why, I mean, how do you right. compare, how do you compare the two now when you look at what you did and what typically is done of, uh, having a candidate come not most times, obviously a pastor's already gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if a pastor is there he's retiring maybe there's been a couple months or they might have an interim uh but how do you compare the two as you look at the success of what you've done and yeah i think what was done here the only the only reason it was possible is because the church was healthy yeah yeah um if if there was controversy if there was conflict if there was some threads of of uh, dysfunction in the church, it never would have worked. Uh, the only reason it worked well and the way the plan could be unfolded the way it did was because I was coming into a healthy situation. Mm-hmm. Um, most churches can't do that because they need an interim to come in and step on all the mines <laughs> mm-hmm. before a new guy comes in. And, um, that just, that wasn't the story here. Did you have confidence that it would work? I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, n- not initially, but after hearing, again, the previous senior pastor and the elders talk about the plans that they had been enacting for years, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, got, I grew more confident uh, in it because I, I tell you what, I cannot, I cannot understate uh, or overstate um, the meticulousness with which they went about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for example, I'll give you a practical example of it. They branded, um, they branded the whole season of the church with the language of hopeful anticipation. Mm. Hopeful anticipation. In fact, those words were in bulletins and documents and posters and online and hopeful anticipation, hopeful anticipation. It began to Mm. to take on a culture all its own in the church. Um, That's how deliberate and meticulous they were. Mm. That They were not going to approach this as a death. They were going to approach this as an exciting new chapter. Mm Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, it. Uh, I I saw that when I was there. A number of other areas, uh, for example, when they 
uh, introduced sabbaticals uh, for the staff. It, we took retreats and discussed it. Someone researched it. And um, of course, I left before I was qualified to get to have a sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, in fact, I took, I took another church the summer the pastor was supposed to take a sabbatical. Okay. And I was supposed to preach that entire, you know, four months that he was going to be gone. So I, I ruined that for him. It took a while for him to get adjusted to that. Sure. Uh, hi, Bill, if you're listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> you will be. I'm sure you've forgiven me by now. Um, yeah. here, here's a, a part that intrigues me here um, that I want, I want to transition to. Uh, generally, the expectation is that a church has its its history, its identity, its legacy, its style, its philosophy. A pastor comes, and the pastor has to, uh, uh, and this probably happens more often when there isn't this long thought out process. But a pastor comes, and he has to adjust to the to the history, philosophy, legacy, whatever. Um, but in you know, in, the, in your case, how did you? Because here you have a church that has 30 years of history. It's healthy. It has its, its rhythms. It's ha- it has its personality. You have your own. Mm-hmm. You know, I know, I know the, senior, the previous pastor, and I know you well enough to know you. You're very different people, very, no doubt different approaches to things yeah. stylistically and all that. Um, How did you navigate that? And was that something that you went intentionally aware of? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I knew, you know, I, I'm not Bill Ronsheimer 2.0. Uh, I knew that. And, you know, I think the, the people, the people were told that. <laughs> so I, I didn't come in. I didn't come in feeling like I had to fit a certain mold. Um, I came in feeling like I can be me. And um and that's going to be okay. Um, now, me as a personality, I'm not a bull in a china shop kind of personality. Um, so, even though I was entering into an existing organism, I knew there would there would need to be change. But m- my style in identifying what that is and implementing it is is not a wrecking ball style. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really for the first year, um, other than my face and my voice in the pulpit, there wasn't a ton of change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I needed to hire a staff person because when I came, there was a vacancy already, but I, I largely left things alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had had a pastor friend of mine more experienced than I say, you know, his philosophy was uh, first year's assessment, no change, just assessment. Mm-hmm. And so I took that to heart and realized, you know, first year I'm going to become a student of this place and, uh, get to know the folks and, and get to know the, the community here. And, and so, uh, you know, other than me, uh, which you can't underestimate the amount of change that that alone is. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you're following someone who has been the only pastor in its entire history. Right. And also what was unique about that church is the number of people that have been part of that history uh, right. you know, from the start. Right. Yeah. So, um, no, we, I came in and just kind of learned things and got to know folks and kept my eyes open. And, mm. 
and then uh, only then after you know the, really that first year did did we start to identify the places where we need to make some adjustments and none of it was uh, none of it was huge because mm-hmm. again I was coming into a, a healthy church um, I looked at this church and thought there is massive potential in this church um, let's release that let's unleash that potential um, there wasn't major stuff that needed to be fixed. Um, so I, I think it, and it would, you know, the people bear it out. Um, the overwhelming majority of folks are still here. Um, and they've navigated through these past three and a half years mm-hmm. with, with some change and they've done it wonderfully. Was there any tension in, and I don't, this might be a hard question to answer yourself, but the, you know, adjusting to new, you know, because again, a pastor is generally seen in the time that he's up front preaching and that's, that's the main connection people have, but preaching style in, in particular, um, what did you, how, how did, uh, how did you adjust to that? How did the, how do you feel the congregation adjusts to that? That's probably more the fair question right. to ask. Yeah. I think the congregation has adjusted really well in a, and the reason is this, um, I'm an expositional preacher mm-hmm. and the people here already had a high view of scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, my, yeah, my preaching style is very different from, from Bill, the previous pastor, but we have that in common. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we hold to a very high view of scripture and the people here have been taught that and trained by that. So yeah, I'm different stylistically but underneath the style, uh, there's a lot of common ground. And so I think the, the people have responded exceedingly well to it because they, they had that most important ingredient. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's so cool to hear. And, and what a novel idea to have a pastor that's actually committed to preaching the scripture. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, right, right. If only that was the main thing, you know. That's right. Um, yeah, and, and this, this brings up uh, a question I was going to ask is just in the overall plan of transitioning, you know, from one pastor to the other. How, how much did you sense that the, the uh, commitment to the gospel was driving that change, that transition? Yeah, um, very much so. Uh, very much so. The, it, it probably was most clear to me when I was interviewing with the elders uh, because it was a two-way street there. Um, they had questions for me, and then I had questions for them. And uh, in that exchange, it became very apparent to me, these guys want Jesus to be mm-hmm. centered. Mm-hmm. These guys want Jesus to be in the center of it. And if, if that is passion to them, that's certainly passionate to me, we're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. going to be fine. So, you know, I, for me, and I would encourage, you know, guys who are interviewing, um, the, the first and most important step is getting a pulse in the elders of that church. Um, by and large, they will tell you where that church is. What, what one or two questions would you recommend people ask in that, uh, in that experience of connecting yeah. with the elders? Yeah. Um, well, I would, I would encourage them to go around the room with the elders and just have the elders share with them how they view scripture I like and that. the gospel. Nice. 
Mm. Make them answer the question Mm -hmm. uh, and then listen to that. The second one is a more of a, uh, it sounds superficial, but it actually drives at a, at a deep, a deep topic. The question I would ask is, ask the elders this question. What, if I changed, would cause tremendous conflict in this church? Wow. Ask that question of the elders. Hmm. What, if, if as a senior pastor, I came in, I changed this thing. It would cause tremendous conflict in the church. Ask them that question. Ask them to respond to that question. Um, if, it, <laughs> if it's um, the pews mm-hmm. or the organ, um, you'll, you'll get a feel for where that church is at. Yeah, or even something maybe a little bit more uh, driven by a commitment to the gospel and some people's view, a changing structurally how you do Sunday school or, right. or programs. Right. Um, that, yeah, yeah I, I've often uh, suggested, and I've never done it because I thought about it after I'd, I'd been pastoring and wasn't pa- candidating anymore, but to, to ask the question, who do, I, who do I need to get along with in this church to be successful? Yes. And unless, it's, unless the answer is Martha, the 90-year-old prayer warrior, don't go to that church. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if they say Bob, the businessman who uh, gives half the money for the tithes and, you know, maybe that's a warning shot there. Don't go there. That's yeah, right. That's, I love your, I love that. That's a, that, that's a great perspective to, you know, what you said to, to get to know the elders. Yes. Um, and one way to do that is to have them share um, their commitment to the gospel and, and even their story. Um, so is this the way to go? I mean, again, you, you, you know, to have an intentional transition, um, you know, you, you mentioned it worked because the church was healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, can it work if the church is, is not healthy and there's a sense that it's not healthy and maybe this is part of how to bring it through unhealthiness, you know, because sure. when we left, when we left Wisconsin, we went into a very unhealthy church and we knew it. There had been a 14 month interim pastor there. And uh, he he deferred all the big issues to me for when I I arrived, right? Um, and the people still were reeling off uh, the moral failure of the previous pastor and yeah. had never been rec- reconciled. So there was no no transition. I mean, we were there one weekend. Um, that Monday, the elders met, and I got the phone call from the DS that they had called us. And I always felt like it was it was rushed. It was not thought through. Uh, I felt like they did not ask me any questions. Yeah, I asked them a lot of questions. I had red flags. I had a number of red flags. But in that case, we we had still a strong sense that this was the right thing to do. Right, right. Yeah, I, I I'm not an expert in this area, but personally speaking, if I sensed there was something off about the church. I'm not going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is tremendous value in having a trained interim pastor come in. Uh, in fact, there's a whole organization. I don't know the name of it. Um, IPM, inter- in- International yeah. Pastoral Ministry. Right, right. And and they're trained to come in there and, and get that church ready for the next chapter. Yeah. Uh, I've got a colleague who who was a children's ministries director at a, actually a, a fairly large church in northern Wisconsin, and their church went through this. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I asked her, I said, so what, what is your verdict on interim pastor? And she said, our church wouldn't be alive today Mm -hmm. if it wasn't for that season where we had an interim pastor um, who was well-trained, knew exactly what needed to be done, how to go about doing it. Uh, um, She said, without that, we would not be where we are today. And today they're thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so I, uh, we're not speaking to churches that are hurting. We agree that that's probably best, uh, uh, you know, managed or handled by an, an interim intentional interim situation. Uh, if we're talking here to churches where there's a sense that, Hey, there's, there's a relatively, there's relative good health here. Um, we see this as a, as a good way to go. Talk, talk to the pastor who has been in a church a long time. He's, he's getting up there in years mm-hmm. and maybe it's time for him to start looking at his, his, uh, transition, but may, but don't wait until the last Sunday, you know, Sunday that maybe this is an option. What, what would you say to him? Yeah. I, look, uh, it, this takes time. It takes preparation. Uh, it th- takes th- humility as well for the pastor to let go of some things. Absolutely. And, and I would say this, the, the outgoing senior pastor should be the biggest cheerleader of the incoming senior pastor. If he, if he's doing it reluctantly, it's not going to work. No, sure. I, I have no question. The biggest cheerleader I have had in this transition has been Bill, the previous senior pastor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so much. So, I mean, he, he makes frequent visits back here. Mm-hmm. And I welcome him with open arms. He can come here anytime he wants. And uh, it's fantastic. That, yeah. that has been a huge part of making this go really well. So if, yeah, if the outgoing senior pastor cannot cheerlead mm-hmm. the incoming senior pastor, it's probably not the right fit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we're encouraging the pastor, if he's you know, looking at just a few years left in ministry, that, hey, this, this will be a good option. Don't wait to um, the last minute. Don't wait to the last minute. Yeah. yeah. No, your, your congregation is going to go through a process, yeah. a grieving process. Yeah. And uh, you got to let them have that time. Yeah. Um, but as the one who has all the chips, it's that senior pastor's job to say to the folks, okay, our time of, of grief mm-hmm. is over. We're going to turn the page and we're going to look forward yeah. with hopeful anticipation yeah. about what God has for us next. Yeah. Yeah, good. I think the title of this podcast is going to be Hopeful Anticipation. <laughs> um, so in the, in the three years, wrap up with this, uh, three years you've been there, what's, what's encouraged you? What are you seeing oh. God doing that just uh, excites you? And Yeah, there's so much. Um, I mean, recently I have had, so we had a membership application come through. This is a couple who have not been active in any church for over 10 years. And in their testimony section, they indicated that they came to faith in Christ at Alliance Bible Church. Mm, mm. They're in their 60s. They've been here two years now, year and a half. Um, That's exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, There's a gal in our church who comes from a Greek Orthodox background. And she's been in my office just, and she's Greek. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just firing away at questions and you know, emotional about stuff. She's seeking. I don't think she's there yet, but she's yeah. seeking. That's encouraging. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we, you know, on a statistics standpoint, we have gone from having about 35 people in small groups, mm -hmm. life groups, to about 160 mm -hmm. in small groups. That's encouraging because that, that's what makes a church sticky. Um, they may come for the preaching or the worship, but they're not going to stay unless they're developing relationships with people. Yeah. Um, so that's encouraging. Um, even, even all the way down to, you know, a complete remodel of the worship center, which happened this last year. And it looks nothing like it did, mm -hmm. but our people have been excited about it and they understand the why, uh, behind that. So yeah. there's so much I, I look at it and think, I mean, God, you, God has been so, uh, lavishly good, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, to mm -hmm. me, to our family, to this church over the last three years. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, they, the next podcast, I, I'm actually going to be interviewing someone from uh, IPM, Intentional Pastoral Ministries, about what, you know, just the, the very opposite of what we're talking about here. So these, yeah. these two podcasts, I think, will stream uh, together well. Um, just in closing, Brian, to help, help us to get to know you a little bit, uh, your, your children, how many children do you have? I know you, yeah. have, I know you have one wife, and how many children? I have one wife. Uh, her name is Jadada. Mm -hmm. J-E-D-O-T-T-A. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, she, uh, she and I have been married for 16 years. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got two kids, uh, a son, uh, Braylon, who's 10, daughter, Taylor, who's eight. And they're at that age where every day is a one-liner. Mm -hmm. <laughs> give, me, give me a one-liner. <laughs> Some of those are good. Yeah. Some of those are not good. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my my uh, my daughter. Parenting. I think yeah, it was my daughter. I, I was rocking her in the chair. You know, we were just cuddling, and I think it was my daughter. She piped up and said, "Daddy, can you stop? You're making me rock sick." <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Well, good sermon material. Good illustration. Oh yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Well, Brian, this has been really encouraged. This has been a different kind of podcast episode. It's been refreshing for me to now be talking about, you know, some of the hard crisis that people are going through. And, yeah. uh, but, uh, you've, you've done a good job communicating this and so glad you're there. So glad it's going well. Yeah. And thank you. Mitch. Appreciate you, uh, sharing your story. Yeah. Thank you for, for letting me do that. You are so welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Before You Quit podcast. If you have any questions or comments about anything we've talked about today on Before You Quit or any other episodes, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. So until next time, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all of that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged. Stay encouraged.